0: West uh we got drew and his family again with us today and and, and maybe he'll introduce as he comes up but we'll get get started with our singing and our worship and and let's just uh let's just just come with an expectation and a, and, a, and a renewed spirit and and how do we renew our spirit the word of god says by renewing our mind right and so uh, that's what we're here for uh to, to get challenged by god's word and let's just open up in prayer we'll get started lord thank you for this day thank you for Another year, God. Thank you for your many, many blessings that you you bless us with every day, God. Just pray as we open up this new year, God, that we would uh, better serve you, better uh, search ourselves, and and try ourselves, and and examine ourselves based on your word, God. Just be with the service today. I pray, I pray that you just feel drew up. I pray that uh, you would give him the words to say that that you would have for us to challenge us, uh, so we can take it out and apply it throughout the week. Just uh, bless the singing and, and the preaching and everything that goes on today, God. And I pray at the end of the day we can say that we've honored and glorified you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.
1: Well, good morning and welcome to 2021. And as Mr. Stephen already mentioned, uh, I've seen I've, I've seen so much stuff on Facebook, so many random memes saying, "Well, thank goodness it's not 2020 anymore." 2021 has its own problems coming, folks, and they're going to happen, with or without, you know, our favorite president, with or without a vaccine. It doesn't matter. There's still going to be troubles, but we still serve a risen Savior who redeemed us. So please stand as we sing, "Redeemed."
2: Redeemed, how I love to.
1: those of us who are trusting in Christ alone, that will be the best day of our existence. And Jesus came for us while we were still his enemies. He loved us and died for us when we had, when we wanted nothing to do with him. He's worthy of all of our worship and adoration for Christ, for all that Christ has done. Let
2: us worship him. Sing worthy of worship.
1: Stand and go ahead and wave to somebody, somebody around you. Tell them how it's good to see them this morning. And hey, it's another year. <laughs> After that, you may be seated. And we have a special sung now by Miss Ann Stone. you, Miss Ann, and it's beautiful even in John 3:16, it says, for God so loved the world that He have his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him, and that includes every single person, so we can all uh, be thankful that Christ offers us salvation uh, for everybody. Right now we'll go ahead and have our uh, moment of prayer, and we're just asking God that you would speak to us today the start of 2021, the biggest thing that we need is to hear from the Lord. Let's go ahead and pray. You've given us life. You gave yourself. Lord, there's so much that we need to be thankful for you and worship you and adore you for. Thank you, God, that you loved us even while we were still sinners. I pray that today we would look to you, that we would see Christ, Thank you, God, for Brother Drew. I pray that you would give him the words to speak and that uh, we would have ears to hear and receive what you would have for us today. I pray that you would bless the service and, and receive our song of worship. Um, I pray that it would be honoring and glorifying to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Right, as we get ready to sing our final song, would you all please stand? And again, with the start of the new year, We do need to put our gaze on Christ, not on politicians, not on COVID, but looking to Christ. And we need him more than we need the perfect presidents or a vaccine. And as we just prayed, we're asking that the Holy Spirit would show us Christ. Let's sing, show us Christ.
2: Sure.
3: Morning. It's good to see you this morning. I will go ahead and tell you this is uh, my beautiful wife. I was thinking there may be a little beam coming down right there. I spoke on marriage this morning in Sunday school, so she says anytime I speak on that subject, I'm tending to lean more on the the uh, side of being nice and super sweet to my wife. So no, I'm only kidding you. I feel I'm that way all the time. I'm not an angel, but um, <clears throat> they didn't fall. Amen. And, uh, but no, this is my beautiful wife, Heather, our little girl. You'll probably hear her through the wall. She's in the nursery, she's six months old. But, uh, it's good to be with you this morning. I was, uh, debating on what to share with you. And honestly, I was, I was wrestling a little bit with it. It's kind of ironic to say that because I was planning, I was considering preaching on Jacob wrestling with the Lord. But, um, I was originally planning on preaching Isaiah 6, and that's where we're going to be at this morning. So find Isaiah 6, Old Testament. Uh, Isaiah is where we're going to be. Look at that. i got two bottles of water. Were they, did, uh, where are you at, Ethan? Are one yours? You want me to throw you one? You want one? Yeah. Is that a joke with a cough drop right here? No, I'm kidding you. Uh, Steve got me some water earlier. He got it out of the toilet. I know he did. I drunk it anyhow, but... <laughs> no, I'm kidding you. Thank you for that, Brother Steve. Uh, when we find ourselves in Isaiah 6, I, I'm going to take and I'm going to pray that we can find some application. Because as we said, if I took a poll across here today, 2020, how many of you, raise your hand this evening, or this morning, excuse me. <laughs> My days and everything are mixed up. How many of you, if just by show of hand, would raise your hand and say 2020 was a great year? Wow. You're either optimistic or you're lying. no. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding you. We all have different types of uh, ways of seeing things. Now, by and large, most people look at 2020 as a uh, probably a hard year, probably a rough year. I, I, I won't tell you how I feel about 2020. It, well, I didn't really want to... We, we won't go there. But anyhow, 2020 for different people is viewed different ways. Now, what's interesting is... You say, how does that have anything to do with our message this morning? Well, let me remind us this morning. We find ourselves, Isaiah 6, interesting situation. Isaiah is going to have a moment, I believe, in his life and ministry that he looked to a man, possibly a friend, and he looked to this man possibly to lead them. Now, I'm saying that because Isaiah was God's man. He was a representative of God to his people. He was a prophet of the Lord. Now, the prophet of God was God's man to those people to lead them spiritually. Now on the other side, God had His people or His man that would be placed in a position of authority to lead His people politically. You say, who is that? That's Uzziah. Uzziah was a political figure that God used to lead His people. And what we find is, is there came a day, can you believe it, that this man, the political man, died. He came... He rose to power, and by and large, Uzziah was a good man. He was a godly man for the most part. Now, the sad truth is Uzziah made a mistake. Now, as Uzziah made a mistake, he went from being a godly leader, a good leader, a man that led the nation of Israel... So one day he crossed the line. He did something he shouldn't have done. He offered an offering up to God and he entered basically into the priesthood of the believer. And in that day, the kings did the kingly duties and the priests did their thing. And see, what we find is the king came from the tribe of Judah. The priests came from the tribe of Levi. And that was God's way of doing it. And let me say this, when it comes to doing God's work, It's God's way, not your way, my way, or the highway. It's God's way, amen? And it's according to the Word of God. And what we find is, is Uzziah crossed the line, and he chose to do it his way, and it cost him. God struck him with leprosy. Now, you say that's a little rough. Well, the sad truth is, is if we truly got what we really deserved, we wouldn't be here today, amen? And so what we find is, is Uzziah has taken off the scene, and I believe that Isaiah looked at this man as a good leader, as I said, for the most part, Uzziah was a good leader. He was a godly man. And I can just imagine, put ourselves in this man's shoes, how often do we look at our political figures and say, how they've let us down, or how they've done a good job. And I believe we can, we can testify. We look at people in power in positions of authority, and we say, man, that is the man for the job. That is the person we need. That is the hope right there. Now, we may not say that, but I'm telling you right now, I believe in these last four years, I've never seen Christians look to a man, politically speaking, in such a way for a person of hope as ever in my life. Now, I believe that God puts people in positions of authority, and He takes them down, but I believe that we have to learn the ultimate lesson of where our attention needs to be placed. And it does not need to be on men, women, or anybody except one. And what we find is, is Isaiah had to learn that lesson. How many have heard the hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus? And that's the lesson this morning. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. And what we need to learn is, as Isaiah learned in his day of turmoil, of not knowing who will come to rise to be the the leader, the political figure, to lead them into the right way, or even the wrong way. And what we need to learn is turn our eyes upon Jesus. No matter what, no matter who's in power, no matter what goes on, turn our eyes upon Jesus. And so this morning, church, I want to ask you a question. Answer this question in your heart. How many of you can say this morning your eyes are upon Jesus? Or your eyes upon a politician? Your eyes are upon the circumstances around us? Your eyes are everywhere and on everyone except Christ. So let's look at this as Isaiah turned his eyes upon Jesus. Verse number 1, notice what it says. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain or two he covered his face, and with twain or two he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. So these six-winged creatures, these angelic beings... One cried, unto to another said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of Him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said, I woe is me, for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Notice this, For mine eyes have seen, notice the definite article, the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hands, which he had taken uh, with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. I want to ask you this morning, will you let Christ capture your attention? Will you set your eyes upon Jesus this morning if they are not? And I want to ask you, are you looking unto Jesus? Are you focusing on Jesus? Let's pray. Father, as we come to You, Lord, we need Your help. I need Your touch. And I need You to take what I cannot do and do the eternal work, Father, that honors and glorifies You. Speak to our hearts here today. May we hear from heaven. May we understand the Scriptures in a more clear way that we may be challenged and leave here differently, Father. I'm trusting in You and Your power. Empty me of myself. And Father, as I avail myself unto You, fill me, I pray, with Your Spirit. And may You touch this service. In this name we ask it, Father, not in my name, but in Your precious and holy name. For it's in Jesus' name. Amen. i like you to notice that we look in this text, the first thought I see is the diverted attention. See. The lesson that people need to learn in 2021 that they may have not gotten 2020 is that our attention is crucial. See, friends, where you look, what you see, it affects you. Even Isaiah said, not Isaiah, Jeremiah said, mine eye affecteth mine heart. And if you look at the circumstances of life and if you look in the world in which we live, it will affect you in a negative way. But let me tell you this there is a God in heaven whose my attention can be upon, and I can look to Him and say, you know what? He'll never let me down he'll never leave me alone he is always with me and my attention must at times be diverted i don't care what news outlet you listen to i have a hard time with any of them fox msnbc uh, CNN, any of them, they are mainstream media outlets that propagate fear, that propagate things that we truly don't need to look to. And what we need to see is that Christ has the answers, the hope is in Him. And this man, Isaiah, I believe his eyes were looking around him because it says, verse 1, In the year that King Uzziah died. Why would he put that in there? Why would that be so important? Because in that day, they looked to that man or the man that would come to power and looked to that man to lead them. You know, even in your case, in the situation sadly that you're in as a church, you look to people to lead you and you in this situation are looking possibly to nobody or somebody or whatever it is. But in reality, if you will learn to look to Christ, I promise you, He'll help you as a church. He'll help you in your marriage. He'll help us in our day-to-day lives. But what we need to learn is that despite what we're going through, look to Jesus. Amen? And the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord. You know, what's interesting is, is he mentions King Uzziah. Not the King Uzziah. Just plain, O King Uzziah. And the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne. You know what's amazing is, is this man Isaiah went into the temple that day. As he went into the temple, I believe possibly his heart had sank. His, his, his Despair was all around him. He didn't know what was going on. And I can imagine as he went in there to minister, as he went in there to hear from God, he saw the Lord. Now, as we think about it in our day, what we need to understand, we see through eyes of faith through the Word of God, and we can draw ourselves near unto the Lord as He draws unto us. And what we find is, is as He saw the Lord, He saw Him high and lifted up. And that's what we need to understand. If we're looking for Christ, you will not find Him on a horizontal plane. And the way that our attention is diverted is by lifting our eyes upon high and lifting them up towards heaven and wanting to hear from God and wanting to see Him. And what we find is, as he says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up. That throne is authoritative. It's something that no man will take and impeach my God. Nobody will take Him off of His rule. Nobody will move Him out of His position. See, the Lord that I serve is a God that serves from everlasting to everlasting that said I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending, and and without Him there is nothing. Without Him there is nothing that happens. There is this understanding as I read that, that my God is sovereign and authoritative, and He is the God that is unlike any other little g-god, any small king or whoever it is. And it says, in His train filled the temple. What's interesting about this, how many people have an idea of a train? Anybody? My wife does. How about ladies with a wedding dress? A train. That's the idea that we can think of it like that. Imagine, just for a moment, we can take our minds in a way that we can understand it just a simple way i'll put it this to you when a lady is about to get married ethan's about to get married make a good i was going i'm not going to make a joke about marriage people try and say oh it's the worst mistake you'll make it's a good one you find a good godly wife find a help meet and a blessing but imagine you about to go and walk down the aisle no excuse me your bride is about to walk down the aisle and as she walks down the aisle. Most wedding dresses have a long, flowing uh, way about them, long end, and uh, the idea of that is a train. It's a long garment that almost forbids the person from moving in, in in certain ways without somebody to aid them. And really, the idea of it is not that it's to immobilize, or to keep them from going, but it's to show importance and honor upon that person. Now. As my wife walked down the aisle looking very beautiful and amazing, I was going to say she looked just, I don't know a way of putting it, just amazing. And as she walked down the aisle, she had this long flowing garment that showed importance upon my bride-to-be. And you know something what's amazing? In that day, the kings, and the reason why I say that is just a way for us to illustrate it that we can see in our minds, is the kings in that day, when they were viewed as important, very honorable, that had a long flowing garment called a train. That train was emphasis on this, that this man is very important to the point, it's not that he can't work, it's that he does not have to work. He, can, he is such an important figure that this garment is to forbid him to where he can sit in his position of authority, point the finger and say, this is what you need to do. This is what needs to be done. This is what does not need to be done. See, His authority was shown by His train. And see, what it shows about the Lord right here is that His train was just not a flowing garment. It says what? His train what filled the temple it shows the utmost importance of our Lord and Savior. That His train filled the temple. That He is not, that He can't do anything. It's that He's such an important, honorable figure. His train filled the temple. The glory of God that day was shown in such a way to Isaiah as he saw the King, the Lord of hosts. He looked at Him and he recognized this King has honor and glory that nobody has ever seen except Isaiah. And I can imagine Isaiah laid eyes on him and realized Uzziah is nothing in comparison to this one right here. Uzziah is not even a drop in the bucket compared to this king. And as he saw him, it says, above it the, the, the excuse me, above the uh, throne, it says, stood the seraphims, these six winged be- uh, beast, I was gonna to say beast, angelic beings. As I can imagine these serpents, and that's the idea of a seraphim, it's actually where you get the word a burning serpent, a fiery serpent. It's this, uh, I can imagine this snake looking creature that's all gloried out and whatever. I'm just trying to use my sanctified imagination. That's how I try and look at it sometimes. It, It livens the Bible up. And so as you look at it, two wings they fly with, two wings they cover their face with, two wings they cover their body. Now, as one preacher said, their, their humility outweighs their, uh, their action, their, their work, their service. But I believe, just simply put, as I read it and I look and think of these angelic beings, these seraphim, these angels that are before the throne of God, they are above the throne of God proclaiming the holiness of God. And what I believe is that God is such a holy God, His glory is so much that even these pure creatures cannot take His glory. Now, this is amazing to think about because there's people in this world that claim they've seen Jesus. They claim they've seen a ten-foot Christ. And what's amazing is, is a sinless creature that has never sinned, that was made in purity, that has done no wrong, has to cover its own face, its own body, to protect itself against the glory of God. Think about that one just for a moment. And so as we look at it, verse number 2, it says that they covered themselves, verse number 3, and they cried one unto the other holy 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 you know what they were proclaiming the holiness of god you know it's one thing we preach on the love of god as i taught this morning about god's love but you know something the love of god should never be preached without the holiness of god truly now now because this is the thing on that one side of the coin where there's love there's holiness And because God is love, and people focus on preaching the love of God, the love of God, the love of God, let me remind you the holiness of God is still there. And God is as much holy as He is love and vice versa. And what we find is is that Isaiah is blown away by the fact as he sees these angels proclaiming, holy, holy, holy. God is a triune being Holy God the Father, Holy God the Son, Holy God the Holy Ghost, all three in one God and three persons, yet one God, the Trinity at work right here, and these angelic beings see the holiness of God, proclaim the holiness of God, and Isaiah sees this at work, that these angels are proclaiming as they cover themselves, holy, holy, holy. It says, And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Verse number 5, Then said I... See, number one, we've seen the diverted attention. Isaiah's attention was diverted off of man, off of circumstances, off of everything around him, and placed on the Lord. Which led to number two, not only do we see the diverted attention, but number two, we see the dreadful assessment. How many people like to look at themselves in the mirror and say... What an ugly, sorry, low-down, no good. Most people don't. Men are probably the world's worst. And I say this because I believe this, that most men can probably look at themselves in the mirror and say, with their hair up and everywhere, breath-kicking as bad as a, as a kung fu fighter, and just, I mean, looking rough. And they look at themselves in the mirror, what a handsome fella. Now, ladies are not that way. Ladies like to see all the imperfections and different things, but men probably are the world's worst at looking at themselves and saying, man, looking sharp this morning. But you know something? In reality, we don't like to see ourselves for who we really are, do we not? We we, we probably like to see ourselves, not the worst, but maybe not even the best. We really, at times, probably don't see ourselves for who we really are. We like to see ourselves as not the drunk on the street, not the adulterer, not this person out in the world, but we're just we're, we're okay. We're not that bad. And you know what? Isaiah came to the point when he saw the Lord. It says, "Then he saw himself." See the dreadful assessment. Then said, "I ah, woe is me." You know what's amazing about that? This is the preacher preaching about himself. And what's amazing about it is, is turn one chapter to the left, chapter five. I want to show you something. I highlighted these in my Bible. Notice verse number 8. We find 8, 11, 18, 20, 21, 22. It says right here, I got my attention all everywhere, but notice verse number 8. He says, Woe unto them that join house to house, that lay field to field, till there be no place that they may be placed alone in the midst of the earth. Verse number 11. Woe unto them that rise up early in the morning, that they may follow strong drink that continue until night till wine inflame them. You know what's amazing is God even proclaims a woe on alcoholic beverage, even right here in the Old Testament. But anyhow, verse number 18, woe unto them that draw iniquity with cords of vanity and sin as it were with a cart rope. Verse number 20, woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Doesn't that sound like today calling what's good evil and what's evil good? Verse number 21, woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Verse number 22, woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine and men of strength to mingle strong drink. That's alcohol again. Two woes just on that one right there. It's wrong to drink alcoholic beverage whether you believe it or not, like it, lump it, the Word of God says it, that settles it. And so what we find is, woe unto them on all of these different things. And what we find is, is that God's Word was proclaiming woes to the various sins around Isaiah. And Isaiah was saying, woe, woe, woe. But you know what's amazing? This preacher got to the point to where he saw himself himself And he said, woe unto me. And so the idea, it's not wrong necessarily to preach on sin, but I want to tell you something. You can never forget the fact you must deal with your sin. And you and I have got it. And we must never lose sight that there's something in your heart and my heart that God has to deal with. I had one fellow tell me one time he can go a day without sinning and I was thinking, if you can go one day without sinning, Christ can go without dying on the cross. We who are sinners by nature cannot go one day without sinning. Even the psalmist said, protect me from the secret sins. And so what we need to understand is, is that when I set my attention on Christ, turn my eyes upon Jesus, it helps me to see who I really am. I see the glory of God I see the holiness of God and I see the unholiness of me. I see how short I fall. And you know something? I believe this honestly. I believe this, that people don't deal with their sin in some cases because they're focusing on other people. Now, what's interesting, they are probably in sin and they are wrong. But you can never lose sight what you are focusing on Primarily, or what you should be focusing on is your sin. Dealing with your sin and your life. And what I find interesting is is the dreadful assessment, him dealing with his sin. Notice as we keep reading, verse number five, then said I, Woe is me, for I'm undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips. See, you know what's amazing? He doesn't just say, Look at my sin in my life, and I'm a sinner. He doesn't just say, I'm a sinner and I need God's help. No, He says, for I'm a man who is undone. That word undone means to be incomplete. He's not whole. He's incomplete. Because God has to feel that, that he's got wrong. He has to heal him from that infirmity, that ailment, that sin. He has never been made right until God deals with that. You know, a marriage will never be made right until it's dealt with. The problems are dealt with. The issues are dealt with. And they are mended that way. And the same with my relationship with God. Whether it be for salvation, the fact that you and I at one time were lost and undone, as it says, in need of a Savior who is Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God. He died on the cross of Calvary for you. He was taken to that cross, died for you, placed in from that cross into a borrowed tomb because He died, was there for three days, and He got up from the grave after three days. And when I I ask Him to save me, He saves me by faith and mends me back to Him and He makes me whole. But you know something that's interesting too? Is I'm in the family of God after I'm saved. And He's my Father and I'm His Son. And after I'm saved, I still sin. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. How can I, as I said, go one day without sinning? And what I need to realize is is when I sin, there's distance between me and my Savior. And it's not that God has distanced Himself from me, it's that I have distanced myself from Him. And I've brought something in our relationship. And He says, Son, you've let that come into your life and our relationship. And you've got to deal with it. And you know what? Our relationship is not what it should be. And I'm undone at that point. I'm incomplete. I'm not whole like I should be because I haven't dealt with it. And it leads to the next thought. See, he didn't just say, I'm a sinner. I, I, I don't just have a sin. He names it. He puts his hand where it must be. Because notice what he says. Verse number 5. Because I'm a man of what? Unclean lips. You know what he was saying? This is the problem right here, Lord. My mouth needs to be cleaned up. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. See, he wasn't just saying it's not just my problem, but everybody has this problem. And he was saying that I need you to help me with my problem right here. My sin is this. And let me say, when we go to God and ask for forgiveness, you deal with it specifically what it is and you agree with God if we confess our sins we agree with God is what that means he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness you know what's amazing is when I get honest with who I am or honest about who I am and honest with what's in my life God will hear me and help me and heal me and he put his finger on it and said this is my problem I don't need to say what your sin is this morning because I believe the Holy Spirit of God will tell you exactly what the sin is in your life. It could be that you're lost and need to take that first step of salvation and trust in Jesus Christ. And see, maybe you have just saw Him as a good man. Maybe you have saw Him as truly the King, but He's never been your Savior. He's never been your Lord and Savior, that you've never trusted Him to save your soul. Maybe today would be a good day for that. It would be. Maybe you should take that step of faith. Maybe there's sin in your life that needs to be dealt with. And the Holy Spirit of God says that should not be in your life. And so what we find is, number one, the diverted attention led to number two, the dreadful assessment, which number three leads to this right here, the delightful atonement. That God took this man in his situation with his sin And what's amazing is God doesn't mock, scold, scoff, or or make fun of this man. He deals with it. He helps him. Because notice what we find verse number 6. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. You know what's amazing is that God took this man in his sinful state and He took it out of his life. And let me say, God deals with our sin by taking it out of our life. He forgives us, but He helps us to remove it out of our lives. He can clean your mouth up. I'm going to tell you that right now. Your mouth should be speaking that which is edifying and useful to the saints around you, whether it be your wife, whether it be your husband, whether it be church folks. And I believe this, a filthy mouth God can clean up and He will clean up. And it's not honoring to God when we have that. And so he asked the Lord for that help, and the Lord forgave him and removed it out of his life. You know what's amazing is, is we will never see God take things out of our lives and still, until we start agreeing that it's sin in my life and this is the specific sin in my life. And maybe this morning you need to deal with some sins in your lives as we go into 2021 and say, Lord, help me. I've allowed this in 2020 to come into my life, but in 2021, this needs to not be in my life as a believer. Will you help me to take it out of my life? And so... And what I love about this, see the progression, do you see it? The diverted attention, his attention gets on the Lord. It goes into him seeing the dreadful, saying who he really is, woe is me, this is who I am. Which leads into the fact that God deals with his sin, which goes into the next point, and that is this, he heard the voice of God speak. See, the divine agenda was very evident in in his ears. Because it says, also, after he dealt with his sin, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, you know, if we want to hear the voice of God speak in our lives, in our churches, deal with the sin. You'll never hear God's voice until you deal with your sin. You'll never hear God speak clearly in His Word until you deal with that sin. It says, also, after that, as he dealt with his sin, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Well, what did God say? Notice what it says. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? You know the divine agenda of God is the same almost in the Old Testament as it is in the New Testament. Let me break it down in this simple way. God wants somebody that will live for Him and give themselves to Him You say, I'm not called to be a missionary, a preacher, an evangelist, a a deacon, a person that has a a teaching position in a church. You know what you do have that God wants? Not your money, not even your talents. He wants you. Plainly. And I believe this. We can understand and hear that voice more frequently and clearly if we will just deal with that sin and realize, you know what? God didn't ask for... Who is the most educated? Who is the most honorable? He didn't ask who is this person that's the most popular? Who will go for us? Who can I send? Who can we send? Excuse me. You know what? The divine agenda of God very simply is it starts with you. And God wants you. Anybody. Literally. That's the amazing thing. I look at some people. God help me. As I look at them and I think, man, Lord... You really want them? I mean, honestly, and I even think about it, even with myself. I was laying my, I was bowing my head today, and I was thinking as I was talking to the Lord. Lord, I can't even read the Bible without your help. I mean, I really struggle in in different ways, and we all have our struggles. We all have our excuses, and I just feel, Lord, I you don't really want me, do you? Oh, He does. He doesn't put parameters on anybody as far as having certain credentials. The credential of God is that you belong to Him and that you're clean. Very simple. You belong to God, you're saved, and you're clean. That's very simple, is it not? And I believe we don't hear this voice calling us because the sin has clogged our ears up and we don't want a part of God's work. And the directed answer, last of all, is this. Then said I, here am I, send me. See, you know something that's amazing as we get ready and close? Is that if we go start off our, our days, our lives, our everything with seeing Jesus, do you see the progression as it takes place? It helps us to draw closer to God by seeing who we are. He deals with the sin in our life. He speaks to us. And then what we find is is the easily acceptance of saying, "I'm here. Whatever you need today, Lord, I'm yours." And I believe the toughest thing for us today, and even in the future, is to let go of our own lives. We don't want to let go. I'll give you an illustration. Very simple. Um, a lady was in the uh, a psychiatric hospital, and this lady that was in the psychiatric hospital. The people, the residents couldn't do anything with her. She was literally crazy. Her mind was gone. But she had one thing that she liked to hold on to. That one thing was something that one day uh, a new resident saw a glimpse of in her hand. He didn't know what it was. he didn't know he just saw something shiny and he rushed in to restrain this lady and as he rushed in to restrain this lady, this lady began to fight this man as she had a clenched fist. Now, he didn't know what it was. He screamed for help and called other people in there. Eventually, the many uh, people that were working there held this lady down, pried that lady's hand open to find a worthless coin. A little coin that really was worth nothing. But to the lady, it was worth something. You know what's amazing is, is that coin that was worth nothing, but it was worth something to this lady... She did not want to let it go. And I'm afraid so often we take our lives and hold on to them lives. We clench it with everything we can. And if we would just let it go, God would take that life and do something with it. He'll help your marriages. He'll help this church. He'll help you as an individual. And He'll do something with you, but you hold on to that life. In reality, our, our lives are worth nothing without Him. But if He takes our lives, He can make it worth something for His name, for His glory. And what we find is Isaiah came to the point. He said, here am I. It's not about God calling this person or that person, Lord, use me. Do something with me. And I believe that's what we need to focus on in 2021 as we start our year. Lord, what will you have for me? What do you want to do with me, with my home, with my, the church that I'm attending? What do you want for me? Here I am. Here am I. Do something with me. Send me. You know, the gospel is something that has to be heard across the street and around the world. And God uses His people to share that message. Maybe you can start this year by being a witness. Maybe you can start by praying. Whatever it is, God has a work just for you. So I want to ask you this morning, where is your focus as we stand to our feet? Is your focus upon Jesus? Or is your focus upon your circumstances, the politicians, the outcome of our election? Whatever it is, where is your focus this morning? Because as I think about it, even in my own life, I've been guilty of taking my attention and focusing my attention where it does not need to be. And that's everyone and everything but Jesus. So I want to ask you, would you bow your heads, close your eyes, and ask the Lord to help us this morning? As the piano softly plays, I want us to do business as the Lord would have us to do and that we hear His voice. And see, we want to hear God's voice, but we have to deal with that sin. So maybe. This morning you need to deal with some sin in your life. Or maybe this morning you need to respond to the Spirit of God as He calls you. So as the piano is going to softly play, the invitation is given. I want to just say this, you don't have to come forward. You can make a place where you're at. Do as God leads you. I just ask you, would you listen as God speaks? I want to ask you a question with everybody with their head bowed and eyes, eyes closed. How many of you would say that God spoke to you this morning? Would you raise your hand? I see those hands. What is God telling you this morning, friends? I believe this, sir, that God maybe wants you to do something. As people are responding, let's just let the Lord have His way this morning. Let's let's, let's let the Lord work in our hearts and our lives. You know, Isaiah responded when God spoke God said who will go who can I send As people are praying, let's just be patient and let the Lord speak to our hearts and help us. Father, as we come to You, Lord, we thank You for Your goodness. We thank You for Your mercy and Your grace. And Lord, as we've heard the Word of God, I pray that it would be something that we apply to our lives and let You continue to speak to us on. Father, help us truly to turn our eyes upon You. And Lord, we ask You to teach us even as we leave here in a greater sense of uh, this idea of turning our eyes upon You. And Lord, we really need You in this hour that we uh, come to You. For we're needy people, Father... And Lord, I love you, and I praise you, and I thank you, for we truly ask it in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Ethan, did you have a song for us?
1: Alrighty, as we close out our service. Thank you, sir, for bringing the message. Go ahead and sing the first verse and chorus of Victory in Jesus. And again, no matter what happens in 2020, ultimately uh, we know exactly what's going to happen. Uh, in the end, all you have to do is flip to the back of the back of the Bible, and we'll know that Jesus wins, and that's that's the end result. So we have the victory through
2: Christ. Please sing.